in week number three of our character study of the prophet Elijah called Standing Alone. Week number three. And in case you're new with us or you missed one of the first two weeks, I'll just give you kind of a recap of where we are in the story. Uh, just kind of give you, kind of catch you up because we're walking through the life of Elijah in this character study. We're walking through the life of the prophet. We're looking at some things that God did in his life and seeing how they can apply to us. And so as we study him, just to kind of give you a thing, Elijah comes out of nowhere and he confronts the king, the evil king of the day, King Ahab, who's more evil than any who came before him and has led the nation of Israel into idolatry and away from Yahweh, the one true God. And his wife is worse than he is. Come on, somebody. So he's married to Jezebel. And so the king and queen are as wicked as they come. And so Elijah comes out of nowhere and he confronts them. And he tells him, because of the idolatry, because of what you've done in the nation, you've led them away from God. He pronounces this doom that there will be no rain in the land. And so instantly a famine hits. For three and a half years, there's no rain. Completely wrecks the economy, destroys the culture. Does this incredible doom on the nation of Israel. And immediately in part one we looked at, God takes Elijah into a time of isolation. And it's this time of preparation for the prophet where he's actually protecting him from the death that Ahab is now seeking to give him. And so he takes him to the valley and he takes him away from everything and he begins to prepare him. And he teaches Elijah, we looked at this, he teaches him dependence. He teaches him total dependence upon God for provision for all. Then he teaches him faith in the miracles that he does. And then finally at the end, we see at the end of that section of the story that God raises someone from the dead. The first time you see that in the Bible. And so Elijah has gone through this progression of preparation. Well, then in part two, we looked at the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, what the preparation was for. And so he calls out the king and he calls out the prophets of Baal. We looked at that where he says, meet me on Mount Carmel. And he stands before the children of Israel and he tells them, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to waver? If God is God, then serve him. And so he calls out the children of Israel. He calls out the prophets. He has this showdown and he says, now the God who answers by fire is the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal, you remember the story, they dance around and they shout and they cut themselves and they do everything they can do and nothing happens. And then Elijah steps forward and he calls out to God to answer by fire. And God does. God burns up the altar. He burns up everything, licks up the water. It's this incredible moment where God shows himself as the one true God. And then the children of Israel begin to cry out as most of us would. God, oh God, he is the one true God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah's like, yeah, yeah, you, you should be calling that out, all right? And then Elijah tells them, okay, catch every prophet who made the unfortunate decision to be on the mountain that day. Every prophet of Baal. He says, catch them and bring them down at the brook, and they put them to death. It's kind of a gruesome story. You should read your Bible, all right? And he puts to death all 450 prophets there at the brook. And so that's where we are in the story. The showdown is over. Elijah, the one true God now, and Elijah, using Elijah, has won the day. And so we've looked at the preparation. We looked at this confrontation, this showdown. And now we're in part three today, where we're going to begin to study the prayers of the prophet. Because I want you to see how the story kind of takes a little bit of a turn. It doesn't go the way that you would expect it to. And this story does this a lot. Where if we were writing the story, if it was like our, our fiction novel we were going to put out, we would probably do it in a different way than God works out in the reality. We would probably take this story in a different direction. Or even if it was us living it, we would probably do some things a little bit different. But today I want to look at part three, the prayer of the prophet. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit today. So I thought it would be fun. Here at the beginning, and I want you to imagine with me, all right, imagine with me that you are now 
the star of a new reality TV show that you seem to love so much. All right, everybody? I could probably split the church in half by asking who loves them and who doesn't. But you are now the star of a new one. And we're going to call this thing, <laughs> pray Eric and Idol. All right, work with me here. You are now the star of this. And so if you're working with me, this is a game show that's going to judge you. Not Elijah. It's going to judge you today based on the, based on the effectiveness and the intimacy of your prayer life. Come on, how many want to leave right now? How many are just ready to walk out the door, get in your car today? We're going to judge you based on your prayer life. And so Simon, Paula, Randy, all the, I don't know the rest of the name. I know those. They're going to judge you based on the effectiveness of your prayer life. Not your grandma's prayer life, not your cousin's prayer life, not that person you know who prays really well that you always text all your prayer requests to. Not that person, all right, everybody. We're going to judge you based on your prayer life. We're going to give you a score, see if you go to the next round. Got quiet in here all of a sudden, all right, everybody? On the effectiveness. Now, come on, we're going to be honest with ourselves and honest with each other because confession is good for the soul and bad for the reputation. How many of you, if you were on this show today, how many of you would say, yeah, if I'm judging the effectiveness of my prayer life, I'm like a 9 or a 10. Like, I am there, baby. Like, that is, anybody today want to be, come on, don't lie in church, but anybody, you're like, I'm a 9, I am in I am in first place. Come on, we got, we got a couple over here. How many of those? You can text them your prayer request, all right, everybody? How many of you would be a little more honest? You're saying, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not an 8, 9, or a 10, but I'm, I'm maybe in like 5, 6, 7. Like, that's my, I'm just kind of middle. Okay, we got a few more in here. You're saying like, okay, I've got a little bit going on. I feel like I pray and sometimes things happen and sometimes not so much, but I'm kind of... There, how many, this is my favorite, how many would say I'm like subterranean, like I'm, I'm negative zero, one, two, three. Like anybody, anybody honest in that? Yeah, we got a few people there. The rest of y'all just lying in church. All right, everybody. Because here's the reality of it. And as a pastor, I get to see this from every different angle. And I get to talk with people all throughout the week. Even this week, I had two uh, separate things. I get to talk with, here's the reality of it. And that is a lot of people, including a lot of people here this weekend, a lot of people watching online that are in that place of zero, one, two, where they're like, hey, I don't think this prayer thing works. Like, I've been praying a lot, or if it doesn't, I think it works for everybody else, and I don't think God hears my prayers. I think I should just continue, you know, texting out my prayers, because I don't think God's hearing me. And I think a lot of times, a lot of people feel stuck in that situation, and maybe we're not always honest about it. Maybe we're just kind of give the, the southern answer of, well, I'm doing good, brother, and I'm just, I'm doing well, sister, and I just, God's answering every prayer I've got. And sometimes we put up the facade, but we're in that place where we're saying, I don't know if this thing works, or I don't know if God's hearing what I say. I think maybe he's just hearing prayers from everywhere else. I think sometimes when we're honest with ourselves, and maybe you aren't in that place right now, but you've been there. And maybe you were praying for your marriage and you didn't really see anything happen. Or you were praying, God, just bring me a spouse, right? You were just kind of praying. Maybe you were praying, God, set me free from an addiction. God, I just can't keep coming back to this month after month, year after year. Or maybe, God, you know, I want you to heal that relationship. Or, God, I have this family member who's far from God and I want you to bring them back. I want you to to bring them back. And, And you prayed year after year after year and it feels like nothing is happening. Well, this morning we're going to look at the prayer of Elijah. Because I just want you to know, out of the Old Testament, the, Elijah knew how to pray. Elijah knew how to get the attention of God. Elijah knew how to pray. And I think it's incredible. As we look at this, he understands prayer. If you ever see somebody who prays with boldness and courage, or somebody who prays with expectancy, somebody who prays, it's Elijah. 
And so we're going to look at his prayer. One of his prayers, James talks about, actually two of them in the New Testament. James begins to talk about the prayers of Elijah. And so I want to read that verse to kind of set up today. And then we're going to go back and we're going to study one of these prayers and see what we can learn from it. And so James talks about Elijah. He says, Elijah was a human being. That's good to know. Just like us. Come on, somebody. So Elijah's not running around with a cape, right? And he's not running around, you know, jumping over buildings and doing the superhero. Elijah was a person just like us. And he prayed earnestly. I want you guys to say that with me. He prayed earnestly. That was pretty good. All right. I didn't have to make you say it a second time. Good job, everybody. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And watch this. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. You think how incredible that is. That is the power of a true prayer. That is the power of the prophet. Because this last week, I had some cabinets that I needed to paint outside, everybody. And so I prayed earnestly that it would not rain on the land. And guess what happened this week, everybody? It rained earnestly, all right? It rained. I prayed, I don't know, some people think because I'm a pastor, I've got like an inside track on the weather or something. I don't know if that's like a, I just want to dispel that notion right now, all right? I just want to, a couple of years ago, I was at a wedding and it began to rain before the wedding even began. And the bride's mother looked at me like, come on, preacher man, can't you like, like, why can't you know? I don't think that's not my department, right? I'm in sales, not management. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's not me. That's that would be funnier to you later on today. All right. <laughs> he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain. Here's the thing is I'm looking at Elijah's life when Elijah prays. I think when a lot of us pray, it's like this lowercase P, lowercase R, lowercase A, lowercase Y. Like, oh, God, help us. Oh, God, do something. God, if you're not busy, could you just kind of like handle that situation? Oh, Lord, if you just, you know, maybe maybe give us some some wisdom there. Oh, Lord, give. But when Elijah prays. It's a capital P, capital R, capital A. Elijah prays. And when you read the prayers of Elijah, you ought to write them down. And when you read the way that he prays, when he cries out to God, Elijah prays. He prays with this boldness that God is going to move. That God is going to answer. That God is going to move mightily on behalf of his people. He prays with this incredible boldness that God is going to work things out. And so you guys remember the story. I've kind of given you the recap of that. Ahab and Jezebel, they've led the nation south. They've fallen into idols. Elijah confronts them. He says, hey, you're going to have to turn this thing around. They don't. And so he says, okay, there's not going to be any rain in the land. Three and a half years, he has the showdown with the prophets. He's called them out. Now they've killed all the prophets. It's, it's kind of this thing like maybe people are going to turn their hearts back to God. And so then Elijah begins to say to King Ahab, he says, now go up, eat and drink. Because we killed all the idols and we killed all the prophets and we've done all this thing. Now go eat and drink up on the mountain because I hear the sound of rain. And so Elijah's like, he's had the victory. He's had this moment, this greatest victory in his life so far. And he's seen people raised from the dead. He's seen miracles happen. He's seen all this. But now he's at the pinnacle of it all. He tells Ahab, hey, go, go eat and drink because I hear the sound of rain. But now watch what Elijah does. Because if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings 18. Here's where we pick up the story. James has talked about this. Elijah now climbs to the top of Carmel. So Elijah goes back to the mountain and he starts climbing to the very top. Bends his face. He bends down to the ground. Put his face between his knees. And watch this. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went and looked. There's nothing there, he said. And seven times Elijah said, go back. Seven times he sends him back as he prays. And the seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. 
So three and a half years, no rain. And we're going to come back to this part in just a moment because I think it's incredible, this little, this little back and forth between the servant. But I want you to see this, that so many of us struggle in our prayer life. So many of us have moments that we struggle in our times when we pray because consistency is tough. Authenticity is hard sometimes. If we really want to be authentic and we really want to be consistent in our prayer life, sometimes it's hard to do. We feel like God doesn't answer sometimes and we feel like things don't happen the way that we want them to sometimes. But I just want to encourage you guys, as we study God's word today, as you really get into this story, if you really open up to what God has to say, if you really dive into this today, I think that some things about our prayer life are going to change. Whether you've been praying for 50 days or 50 years, I think some things about our prayer life need to and are going to change. I think as we study the prayer of Elijah, because what can we learn from the prophet? And that is that what 1 Kings 17 talks about Elijah, it says that God listened to the voice of Elijah. And he was the man God listened to the voice. And it doesn't say that very often in the Bible, where God listens to the voice. And so I want to see what we can learn, four things we can learn from Elijah's prayer. There's so many approaches to prayer in the Bible. And today I want to study Elijah. Today I want to study the way that he approached prayer, the way that he went to the throne room of God. And so the first one, jot it down if you're taking notes today, and that is effective prayers are humble prayers. As we study Elijah, we look at this this set of prayers that James talks about, this set of prayers of boldness that Elijah prays. Effective prayers are humble prayers. And you guys want to kind of stay with me. Elijah now goes up to Mount Carmel. He climbs to the top, right? He's got his North Face gear. He's got his camel pack. I don't know what, what he's got. His servant's following him, though. And they climb to the top of the mountain, and he makes his way up to be alone with God. Now, if I am Elijah, I have just won the greatest victory in my life. I am taking a victory lap, all right? We have destroyed the prophets of Baal. I am, like, going to rub it in King Ahab's face. I am going to, like, like, this is my chance to high-five everybody, to make a circuit, right, of Israel. I'm going to go. This is my chance to be on the top of the top. And Elijah, you'll notice, immediately after this victory, he starts climbing that mountain again. He's come down so that they can do what they do at the brook. But then he comes back up, climbs the mountain to be alone with God. And so not only does he climb it to be alone with God, so he's not standing in front of everybody trying to get this notoriety. He climbs up to be alone with God. And not only that, when he gets to the top, you notice he doesn't feel like just a as-you-go-through-life type of prayer is what he needs in this situation. He doesn't even feel like a call-down-fire-from-heaven type of prayer is what he needs. No, Elijah's like, we need something completely different. We need something special because we need water to come from heaven. And we need rain to actually fall. Three and a half years of drought... And so we need rain to now open up and come down on the earth. And it says at that point in 1 Kings, it says Elijah gets there. He bends down to the ground. You can picture this in your mind. He bends down. He gets his face between his knees before God. He's climbed to the top of this mountain. He's gotten himself alone except for the servant he can't seem to get rid of who's just right behind him. And he puts his face between his knees and begins to cry out to God. And you see this, this position, this fetal position of humility of vulnerability that Elijah puts himself in. And you see this humbleness, and it's just a physical representation of who Elijah is. You read it all throughout the scriptures. You read the humility of the prophet, that he doesn't take smack from anybody. He doesn't take any kind of that, but before God, he is as humble as he can possibly be. And he puts his face down between the knees, and he's saying, I am nothing. And Elijah, you read his life, how often he is willing to say that about himself, that I am nothing, but God, you are all. That God, you are great and mighty, that I am, I am small and insignificant. And he places his face between Elijah, who's seen the dead raised. 
who's seen fire answer from heaven, doesn't get a big head because of those things. Watch how he prays after he's seen the miracles already happen. He knows that God can, and he knows that he is a prophet of God. And still he puts his face between his knees on the top of the mountain. And he begins to pray. Because he knows that he cannot bring the rain. And I think that speaks to some of us who maybe have lived our lives with God. We've seen miracles happen and we've seen things. And so we get so caught up in it, we forget who's actually doing the miracle. We've seen God answer so many times that we forget who actually brought it about. And so when we begin to pray, we begin to think, you know, I don't even have to pray that long because I've, I've kind of made this thing happen. I could kind of make this thing go. I think I could take care of that. Elijah knows he can't bring the rain. He knows who raised the boy back to life. He knows who sent the fire from heaven. He knows who can bring the rain, and it's not Elijah the prophet. And so he puts his face between his knees. He has this humility before God because he can't bring the rain, but he knows who can. And so he's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm small, I'm insignificant, but I know that you are great. You are the healer. You are the provider. You are the thing. And so effective prayers are humble prayers. Bible says that God opposes the pride, proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then you read that verse and you continue through that chapter. And it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And watch this. And he will lift you up. He will exalt you. Watch who's doing the exalting. But humility always comes before the miraculous in our life. Pride always meets resistance when it's brought into the throne room of God. Pride always meets resistance when it comes against what God is trying to work out. Humility precedes the miraculous. We want to have effective prayers. They have to be prayers of humility. God, I know I cannot do this. God, I know that I don't do it under my own power. I know that you are the one that needs to answer for this to happen. So Elijah puts his face between his knees and he humbles himself. Number two, if you're taking notes, effective prayers are specific prayers. They're specific prayers. Prayers. And I got to be honest with you, I am first up in the wishy-washy kind of generic, just generalized kind of Lord help us, Lord send wisdom, Lord send in times in my life that I just pray kind of just overarching, Lord just do something, Lord just kind of kind of make this thing work, make that thing do that. But Elijah is specific in the things that he prays. He knows what he's asking God for. It's not this kind of wishy-washy, I don't really know, that just feels like a good prayer type of day. No, Elijah's specific in what he's asking God for. God, we need some rain. Like, God, we need, we need rain to come. God, we need some fire. God, I need you to raise this boy back from the dead. God, we need this to happen. He's specific in the way that he prays. Specific in the things that he asks God for. He knows exactly what he wants. And so then he tells the servant, go and look towards the sea. So he's prayed. He's like, all right, I've done the first prayer. He says, so he tells the servant, go look at the sea. And the servant goes up and he looks. There's nothing there, he says, as he comes back to Elijah. So he's specific. There's nothing there. He's specific what he asked God for. Back to our chapter in James. You don't have because you do not ask God. And I think we just drive right past that verse every time we read it. We think, well, that's a very nice verse. I'm getting to the better parts of James. I'm going to go read the rest of it. But he says, you don't ask because you don't ask from God. It's how simplistic is that? That you don't have because you don't ask. And then James says, when you do ask, you just ask according to your pleasures, not in God's will. And so, of course, you don't have. James is kind of, he just takes him on this level of like discipline as he just steps down. You should read James. It's fantastic, everybody. But he tells him, you don't have because you do not ask from God. Elijah was a man who knew exactly what he was asking. And he asked in boldness what he needed from God. He goes with courage and boldness to ask God without shame, without any time. And so we need to be that as Christians. Let us be a group of people that go to the throne room of God with boldness and ask him for the things that we need, specifically what we are asking for. 
That he's crying out for rain, and so he prays for rain. He doesn't pray, oh, Lord, let the weather be nice. Oh, Lord, do some things so that it can be great in this land again. He says, Lord, we need some water, some H2O. Open up the heavens. Like he's specific, and he knows what he's praying for. And so he sends the servant to check if it's come yet. And so he begins to pray this prayer, and he sends the servant to check if the rain has even, has even happened yet. And the servant comes back and is like, no, there's nothing, nothing happening. He's like, all right, I prayed. Go look at the sea. But he's specific in what he's asking God for. And he asks him to come, and he's courageous and bold in what he asks God. And so you might be thinking, well, how does that work in the life of a believer? Because I don't understand. If I've got to be humble in my prayers, how am I also going to be bold and courageous before God? Like, how do, I, how do I go listen to me? Humility is that I know the sins that I have committed. Humility is I know that my sins have kept me from a holy God. I can't even take a step towards him. But boldness is knowing that Jesus Christ, we have a high priest who's already passed through the heavens Hebrews says, and that we should hold fast to this confession, that we already have a high priest who's gone through it. And so we should hold fast to our confession that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness because of Jesus Christ. Humility says, I can't go near God because of what I've done. Boldness says, I know what Jesus Christ has done for me, that I already know what he's done so I can go into the, that's good preaching. Amen, everybody. I'll just amen myself this morning, all right? Humility says that I, I don't, I know what I've done. I know how guilty I am. I know that I can't approach God. But boldness says I know what Jesus has already done for me. That I can't approach the throne of grace, not because of something I've done, but I can approach with boldness because of what he's already done. We have to have that in our lives. We have to have humility in knowing that we can't, but boldness in knowing that he can and knowing who it is that we approach. Number three, if you guys are taking notes, effective prayers are persistent prayers. They're persistent. So he's humbled himself. Now he's specific in what he's asking God for. But then watch as this story unfolds. He's like, okay, I prayed. He tells the servant, go and look. And the servant says, there's nothing there. And so Elijah's like, okay, hold on a second. And then he's like, okay, I prayed again. Go and go and look again. And the servant comes back and there's nothing there. And Elijah's like, okay, I prayed again, go and look again. And he comes back and there's nothing there. And he says, go again. Go Listen to what Elijah does not do. And that's probably what most of us would do. Around time four or time five, you don't hear Elijah like, okay, this thing doesn't work. Like, I'm trying this really hard, everybody. I, I'm, I'm doing the prayer thing. I'm, I'm humble. I'm specific. And like, I've prayed five times now and it's not working. And so we're just going to climb back down the mountain and maybe slink away so Ahab doesn't find us. No, Elijah, watch what Elijah does. He begins to pray. He sends the servant and there's nothing. Listen, he prayed once and the fire came down from heaven. And now he's prayed and nothing's happened. There's nothing over the sea. There's nothing over the And he's like, okay. And he prays again. He sends the servant and he prays and he sends the servant. He prays and the servant comes back and he's like, listen, there's nothing there. Like maybe you're good with the fire stuff, Elijah, but not so much the water stuff, right? Like, like figure this thing out. And he sends him again and again and again. And he's praying, God, we need the rain. Will you send rain? God, we need, we need the drought to end. We send rain. We, and he sends the servant back seven times and he does it again and he does it again and he does it again. And you don't hear Elijah like, hey, this thing doesn't work. You don't hear Elijah saying some of the things that we've said. Well, hey, I don't think God is listening or God must be busy or, or there must be something else going on. You, don't, you never hear Elijah saying that. He just sends him again and again and again. And he puts his face between his knees and he prays and he prays and he prays. And here's what I love about this deal. Elijah doesn't allow the outward circumstances. He doesn't allow what's happening in the physical. He doesn't allow all of that to somehow, somehow influence his inward assurance. He doesn't allow the outward circumstances. He doesn't allow the servant going the first six times and coming back and being Elijah. There's nothing. 
He doesn't allow that to change the inner assurance he has in the God that he serves. Because the outward circumstances are saying things that most of us would give up on. Most of us would have said, okay, this thing's not working. I, I'm, we had the victory with the fire. I'm going to take that as a win and I'm going to just you know, go on home. No, Elijah doesn't allow anything in the outward circumstances. He doesn't allow that to dictate or to try to change his inward assurance in the God that he serves. And so he sends it back again and he prays and he prays and he prays. And it seems like God's not answering. So he prays and he prays and he prays. And it seems like God's not listening. And he prays and he prays and he prays. And he continually prays and he sends the servant. And he sends the servant. And I was reminded this week as I was studying this of the parable Jesus tells about the man who goes to his friend's house in the middle of the night and he knocks and he knocks as he needs the friend to give him food for his guest. And he knocks and he says the friend gets up and opens the door, not because of the friendship, not because of the goodness of his heart, not because he's such a great guy. He says, Jesus says he opens the door because of the persistence of the man who's doing the knocking. And he says, how much more you when you ask, you seek and you knock and you, you had sought the heavens and you cry out in your prayers. How much more your father in heaven? We hear the prayers because of the persistent prayers. And Elijah knew this all the way back in 1 Kings, the persistent prayer. The persistent prayer. He begins to cry out and he prays and he prays and he prays. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Back to our chapter in James. Effective prayer. The Amplified says, it's the fervent, the effective, the prayer of the righteous avails much, this persistent prayer. And he prays and he prays and he sees nothing. And he prays and he sees nothing. And he prays and he prays. Because when we're persistent in our prayer, when we're persistent in the prayers that we're living up, that's when the miraculous happens. And so my question for you this morning is, what have you stopped praying for that you need to start praying for again? What did you leave by the wayside on time three or time four or time six? What did you give up on on time two or time three? What did you send the servant to go look at the sea and there was nothing there? And so that thing must not work. And so what did you stop praying for? But you need to start again. It says the persistent prayer. And maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you prayed and you didn't see any movement happen. Maybe it was a relationship that you were trying to heal. Maybe it was a loved one who was far from God and you've been praying for years and seen nothing. What if you stopped praying for that you need to start again? Because the persistent prayers, Elijah knew persistent. He prays and he prays and he prays. So number one, effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers, they're humble. If we learn that in our lives, that in humility we go before God. In humility we go before him. Effective prayers are specific prayers. We know exactly what we're asking for and then... Specific prayers that we go before God's throne. They're persistent prayers, number three. And then number four, as we close, effective prayers are expectant prayers. It's my favorite one of all three today. I want you to get this from the story of Elijah. We've seen the humility. We've seen the persistence. We've seen the specifics. We've seen all of that in his life. But I want you to see the expectancy of Elijah. That effective prayers are expectant prayers. He's not quitting. He says the seventh time. The servant reported. So he sent him seven times. The seventh time he comes back. And I don't know. If I was a servant, I would have made up something by this point. But he comes back. The servant is truthful. And he's like, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. As small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And look at Elijah's response to what the servant brings him. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot. 
Right? He's up on the mountain somewhere. Go and tell him, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now listen to what the servant did not say, because you would be forgiven if by Elijah's reaction, you thought that the servant said, Elijah, I looked out at the sea and there is a monsoon on its way. Like Elijah, I'm so glad you prayed seven times because I went and looked that seventh time and there is like typhoon swirls coming this way. Like there is a wall of water that I see, Elijah. It's incredible, Elijah. God has answered all your prayers. The wall of water is coming. It's incredible. I think we're about to get washed off this mountain. Hooray, praise be to God. That's not what the servant said, but you see Elijah's reaction. It's like the servant said that. Elijah calls out the servant and he's like, oh, you know, man, you saw that. The servant's like, I saw a, a cloud. I think I saw a cloud. And maybe it's like the size of my hand. Up there somewhere, a little dinky cloud, right? And Elijah, if that was us, like if I saw that, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to turn on WAFB, right? We're going to confirm this cloud the size of your hand. 50% chance of rain. I'm going to get Jay Grimes up there. I'm going to see like what, what you're talking about. And then if I feel the drops of water on my arm, then maybe we'll start to make it. No, Elijah says, go tell Ahab. Like we've had this victory. God is upon me. I know all this stuff is happening. Elijah puts his line. He's like, okay, we're going to have to call out, right? The emergency patrols. We're going to have to evacuate the mountain. Call out the Cajun Navy, right? We're going to have to, like, this is incredible. This cloud, this magnificent cloud. I think it's funny. I don't care what you say. He starts, he's like, we're going we're gonna to, I'm going to put my name on the line. Go tell Ahab. You're not even going to be able to get your chariot down the mountain in a couple of minutes because of what's coming. Because I prayed seven times, God didn't do anything until the seventh, and then God sent this little puffy cloud. And most of us be like, I think God is mocking me. I think that that's just, I think, I think God just doesn't hear me. I think that this is a sign of there is no rain going to come. But Elijah, Elijah the, you can see the expectancy. He's prayed seven times, no answer. The seventh time, there's like a dinky little cloud answer. And he's like, go tell Ahab right now, the rain's coming. God is going to answer. The God who answered by fire, the God who raised the dead, I believe that God is going to answer. You see the expectancy that Elijah knows God is going to move. It's not if God is going to move in Elijah. God is saying when, when God moves. And so he sees the little cloud coming and he's like, go tell Ahab right now. God's going to do the miraculous. Believe that God is going to move. He puts all this stuff into play that God is going to do that. And in our own lives, we need to pray prayers of expectancy. In action, believing that God is going to move, living our lives in faith, faith that produces, it's trust that produces action. So oftentimes we have the trust, but it doesn't produce any action in our life. Elijah knows God is going to move. He sees the cloud. He's like, all right, go tell Ahab that there's something about to happen that God is going to answer. Expectancy. So what happens to Elijah after he calls out the troop? He evacuates the mountain. He does everything. Everything's gone. Meanwhile, watch this. I love this verse. The sky grew black with clouds. Picture this in your mind. The little cloud now suddenly has all his friends with him. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. You see in Elijah's life, Elijah is praying this prayer of humility. He's stretched, he's on the ground on the top of the mountain. He's praying, he's seen these things happen. He's seen God move, but he's praying humility. He's praying for water and things. He's praying persistently over. He prays and he prays and he prays. And then the expectancy in the sky grows black with clouds. And a heavy rain started to fall. And Ahab rode off as quick as he could possibly ride towards Jezreel. And then it says the power of the Lord comes upon Elijah. And we'll pick up verse, we'll pick up part four next week. The power of God comes upon him. I want you to know today, God still answers the prayers of his people. 
That God still hears the cries of his people, the persistent prayers that we are still asking and seeking and knocking. That we have been called as a people of God to cry out to him, to not let the outward circumstances somehow change our prayer life, to not let them somehow affect our inward assurance. We're not called not to let those things dictate what we should think or how we should pray or if we should pray. But we know the God that we serve, that he still hears us. That he is still a good God that still hears our prayers. That he is the God who still answers. As we begin to pray in prayer, we're going to begin to lift up effective prayers. Begin to lift up prayers to our God who still answers the calls of his people. Bow your heads with me today as we close. Father, I ask you. Lord, in our own prayer lives, begin to change the way that we pray. Begin to give us the faith, God, to speak in boldness. Give us the courage to step into the throne room because of what Jesus has done for us. You may be here today and you're saying, Ben, I'm in that place where I don't feel like my prayers are effective. Or really my prayer life is not anywhere near where it should be. I just want to pray for you. And whether you're here in the room or watching online, if you say that's me, I just, I don't know. I know God's answering other people, but I just want my prayer life to be effective. I want my prayer life to be alive. I just want to pray for you. God, I ask right now, just transform us. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, you be the power inside of us. You be Father, the change we want to see in this, Lord, we ask for your strength to do it. We ask right now, Lord, that you be the one that draws us. You be the one that changes us, transforms us. Lord, let our prayer life be alive again. Let it be effective. Keep us humble before you, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name. And every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you are here today and you're like, like prayer is like the second or third thing that you need to focus on this morning. Some of you, you're saying, I I just need to know how to follow Jesus in the first place. Or maybe you think that you have followed him, but you don't, you haven't even made him Lord of your life. It hasn't changed anything inside of you. You just kind of walk in in circles and you think that you're, you're doing some good things or some right things. Hear me out when I say this today. You need to call on the name of Jesus. It's the only way that you can be saved. It's not doing good things. It's not joining a church. It's not a checklist of some things. It's calling on the name of Jesus. It's having a relationship with him, knowing that his sacrifice on the cross paid for your sins and for mine. And hear me when I say this today, he is calling you. I don't care what walk of life you're in. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about any of that that happened before you walked into this place or you turned this on online. I want you to know Jesus is calling you. He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to have a relationship with you. I don't know what you've heard before, but I want you to hear this clearly. Jesus loves you. And he wants you. So that's you today. You say, I want to have a relationship with him. I want to be set free. I just want to pray a prayer of surrender with you. And I can give you the words and we can pray it along with you as a church, but you have to say them and you have to mean them in your own heart. Only you can surrender your life to him. But listen to me, it's time. It's time.
time. Right now it's time. Don't run anymore. Don't push him away anymore. Don't let it say, well, there'll be another opportunity. Right now is the chance. Right now God is drawing you. Right now is your moment. So if that's you, if you say, I want to pray that prayer. Church, pray with me. We're going to pray alone. Nobody prays alone. But if you're watching online or you're in the room, you say, that's me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I repent of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. Now say these words and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.